Well, greetings, everyone. Uh, it's good to be back on the Kingdom Learning Space weekly online Bible study hosted by Mark Ekbeko. It is good to be back. Um, some of us call us the Kingdom Learning Space weekly, on by, weekly online Bible study. Others of us call it home. I uh, <laughs> missed last week, and I tell you what, it feels like it's been a whole month since I've been gone. It's good to see our regular friends joining us here live. Uh, good to see your faces. Good to have you here. And uh, we look forward to having a great time in our discussion this evening. We have a treat again this week. We're going to have our dear brother, um, Amazad Muhammad, who will be sharing with us this evening in the conversation. What a wonderful, wonderful brother uh, we have in our dear brother, uh, Amazad. And um, although we have never formally met in person, as not Mark Ekbeko, as not uh, Cassidy, Unique and Sharbert, Albert, uh, it doesn't make any difference because what God has done inside of our hearts is the real deal. It's the real deal. And so um, just so grateful for this opportunity. And so uh, Amazad, I just, I want us to get right into it. Uh, so good to have you again this week, brother. So uh, the mic is yours. Welcome. Yes, um, thank you, Kelvin, for that wonderful welcome and special good evening. Well, it's my country, it's evening. Your country might be night, but good evening to everyone. So we want to get right into it, as Kelvin said. Um, last week, we began talking a conversation on, you know, true and authentic ministry. And I want to call this a spin-off series, if you want to, you know, when there's a premiere movie, there's a spin-off that comes with it. I, I want to call this um, meeting today a spin-off. And I want to talk about true prophetic ministry because in our last conversations, we've been talking about how the prophetic is one of the most misunderstood, misappropriated, heavily abused child in the kingdom of God. And so we wanna have this conversation to see if we can take this to bring clarity, bring a, a measure of sense of balance to the whole thing. I wanna look at the prophetic ministry of John the Baptist. And I think if we wanna look at prophetic ministry, John is a good place to look. And in the book of Matthew chapter 21 verse 25, Jesus is asking an all important question. And I believe it is a question that we must all ask ourselves. And Jesus is saying, the baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? In other words, Jesus is asking the question, brothers, listen to me, this ministry that you're in, where did you get it from? Was it ordained of God? Or was it ordained of man? Was it something you took upon yourself? Or was it something that God birthed inside of you? And they reasoned with themselves saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not then believe him? Listen to me, friends. If this is given of God, if this is given of heaven, no one can dispute its authenticity. No one can dispute its origin. No one 
can challenge where it came from and what you're doing. Verse 26. But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And the people understood the true gifting that John the Baptist was at that time as a true prophet of God. Prophetic ministry is given by God, not man. And I know there are a lot of people who give themselves the title of prophet and who uh, placard themselves about prophets and ply their trade, as it were, as a prophet. But a prophet is not something that you ply a trade for. If we truly understand what prophetic ministry is and what prophetic ministers are, you will know it's not something to be desired. As a matter of fact, if you really understood what it is, you would run far from it. The people who were called into this gift or called into this ministry literally gave their lives for it. And so the people today who are using it in the wrong purposes don't really understand its origin and its purpose, or else they would leave it alone. The question there, again, we ask ourselves, the ministry that I carry, the prophetic grace that I carry, the apostolic grace that I carry, is it ordained of God or is it ordained of man? Let's think long and hard and deep about this one. What do we know about John, this man called John, John the baptizer? Well, his father, Zacharias, was a priest in the temple. So John himself was supposed to serve as a priest in the temple, as did his father. Now, remember, the priesthood was carried on from father to son. John was next in line. As a matter of fact, when he was born, he was going to be given the same name as his father, Zacharias. And at that time, Zacharias could not speak. So his mother said, no, his name is John. And everybody was in shock and awe at that because this is not the tradition. This is not the way. This is not how the priesthood is carried. He must carry his father's name and carry his father's reputation and carry on the traditions of the fathers. And then they tried to explain to them that this one will be different. John gave up the prestigious priestly garments for camel skin. He wore a coat of camel skin. He did not wear the precious clothes, the prestigious clothes that people long for to wear, that the priest wore, those priestly garments, those beautifully colored garments, highly decorated garments. He gave those up because he was called into something different. John gave up the diet of the priests to live on locusts and wild honey. As we know, the priests received part of the offerings that came to the temple. They received part of the grain, part of the, 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 the meats from the, from the offerings. They received these as, as part of their, their service. And he gave that up to live out in a desert place and feed on the locusts and the wild honey. John gave up a life in the cities that was set aside for the priests to live out in the desert. Think about what this man gave up for this prophetic ministry that he was called into. 
And let's think about what people who are in prophetic ministry now try to project as prophetic ministry and prophetic life now in the world now. If we look at it, it seems far removed from what God called prophets to be. Now, you might be saying, well, this was in a different time and a different era. But has the focus changed? Has the purpose changed? And I'm not saying that God will not take care of his people. Far be it from that. I believe God will take care of his prophets. God will provide. God will supernaturally intervene as he did with Elijah, as he did with all his prophets, as he did with all his servants. I do believe that God is a provider of needs. But he does not deal with these relishes that we talk about. John knew that the ministry of the priesthood was ending. He knew that at his birth, it signaled something that an old priesthood was ending. And he wanted no part of that. He no longer desired to be part of this failing system. Are we once again at a crossroads in the church? Are we once again at a place where we see the present system failing again? Where we see the present priesthood failing again? Where we see the systems of the church world falling apart again? Where we see those who are presumably the prophets uh, getting it wrong all over again? I mean, when COVID came into the earth, everybody was saying, this is it. Jesus is short to putting his appearance now. This is the end. But here we are, 2022, and I am here talking to you, and you are here having this conversation with me. And God didn't put in his appearance in the way we thought he would. But he did put in his appearance in some way because through that period of time, which we call the COVID period in the earth, Things happened. Connections were made. I met a wonderful person called Mark Albeco. I met Calvin Chambliss. I met some of these great people that I'm speaking to here now. And I got to meet some new people. And new connections were made. And so it advanced my, my purpose in the earth. And I believe we advanced each other in the earth. And I believe that as we continue here in these meetings and in these conversations, we continue to advance each other and the purposes of God in the earth. And I do believe that this is a place where we can meet and encourage and strengthen and support and persevere with each other. And sometimes my brother needs a rest and he needs me to carry this load for him and I will bear your burden, I will carry this load. And sometimes we need just to have that time of refreshing, Calvin. We just need to come together in this environment. And there's just a flow that is created by the Spirit of God. And those that were, were weakened and those that were drained from the week that has gone before them begin to feel revived because a precious rain begins to fall on them. And it begins to water their souls and it begins to revive their lives. And it's like your parched lips touching the water again. The water of life that flows from the heavenly realms. And comes into an atmosphere like this. And suddenly, just like this, like that, as we like to say, 
it happens, something triggers on the inside of you and you are refreshed and you are made new because God has touched something on the inside of you. You know, I was listening to Dr. Mark Sharona and he has this very interesting statement talking about Elijah and the school of the prophets and even Samuel had a school of the prophets. And he said, you know, prophets were never appointed from the schools of the prophets. And I had to think about that. And when, when God told Elijah to uh, anoint Elisha in his stead, Elisha was not one of those in the school of the prophet. At least I don't believe so. Elisha was working. He was plowing his field with a yoke of oxen. And he had to give up all that he had in order to get this call from God, in order to fulfill this call from God. The thing that was earning him a living the thing that was making him out what he was doing. You know, I've seen people do that. You know, we know a friend, uh, a common friend here, and, you know, in, in our country. Mark, you would know him. Um, very nice guy. Astute businessman. And he said, God just spoke to him and he said, wrap this up and start ministry again. Start traveling. Start bringing the word of God again. To give up that. To give up your business, and, and, and you know, a big number business, and I'm not going to call a number, a big number business, and to just go out back into the world and to bring the message that God has put in your heart to bring. It's not something that people desire. It's not something, it's something that has to be worked into you. It's something that has to be, that requires a great deal of lose the gain you have to like lose something you have to go through a pain in order to make it happen so you know a lot of what we think is you know the celebrity status that prophets carry the bible does not talk about that the bible gives no indication that this is a celebrity journey that we are on as a matter of fact it gives quite the opposite the Bible gives the fact that let's give these things up. Give up what we are accustomed to. Give up that which is even beneficial to us in order to achieve the purposes of God. All the prophets, all were God appointed and anointed for their special purpose. They didn't come from our schools of theology as many have thought. They didn't come from many years of sitting in the church, listening in. They were all God appointed. And there's nothing wrong with going to the theological seminary. I do believe that you need to be trained and educated and learn from the word of God. I do believe that you need to sit in a local assembly and sit under a senior elder pastor and be trained and be schooled and be mentored. I do believe in these things. I do. But all in all, you cannot be a prophet unless you are God appointed and God anointed and for a purpose. And as we see, even in the life of John the Baptist, he had a purpose. And when his purpose came to an end, he knew when it was time to check out. Ministry of John. In Matthew 11, 
Jesus is again speaking of John the Baptist. Now, I mean, for Jesus to be speaking about this man so many times means he was really important to the, to the work of the Lord, really important to the ministry of Jesus. For Jesus to be constantly referring to this man called John. He didn't do that to many people, but he constantly referred to John the Baptist. Verse 7. In Matthew 11, verse 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John. What went he out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went he out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went he out for to see? A prophet? You see how many times Jesus says the same question? What went he out to see? A prophet? Yes, and I say unto you, and much more. More than a prophet. More than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Jesus talking about John, he's saying, what did you all go out into the wilderness to see? What did you all go to see? A reed shaken by the wind. In other words, he's saying, you all went out to see the madman. You all went out to see the one who went off the far end. The one who just got crazy and forsook his, the priesthood of his, the elders, of his fathers. Is that the person you all went out to see if he was truly crazy? What did you all went out to see? How he was dressed? The soft garments of the priests? What did you all go out to see? Yes. He is a true prophet. And much more than that. You know why? Because it was written of him. It was sent by God. That this is a man sent by God. To prepare the way before me. And this is the ministry of the prophet. What I'm getting at is that. John was sent. He was sent. He, it was recorded of him that he would be sent. And why he would be sent. And it outlined the terms and conditions and the contract of his employment, so to speak. He did not come for fanfare. He did not come for popularity. He did not come in the natural order of things as people would have expected. He was willing to forsake all that went before him in order to do the will of the Lord as difficult as it may seem, but it was the life he was called to live, a very difficult road that some people, if you think about this with a natural mind, you'll say, this is crazy. He had to be crazy. You mean he gave up all the pleasantries of being a priest and the prestige and the honor and all that goes with it? You mean he gave that up? He has to be crazy. No, he was called of God. And being called of God puts that something on the inside of him that caused him to not even want that. 
of the priestly garments or of the food of the offerings or even to live in their cities. Didn't want it. His goal, his meat, his drink was to fulfill the purpose that the father had called him into. You know, the prophetic is not what you do. You know, a lot of times we think prophetic is what we do. It's not what we do. The prophetic is who you are. And if you are a true prophetic ministry, your life is prophetic. Everything about you is prophetic. The person you're married to is prophetic. The place you live in is prophetic. The community you fellowship in is prophetic. Because what happens to you affects those around you. And I've heard, you know, um, people who are who live in this prophetic environment speak of these things. People who live in this prophetic environment says that when certain things happen to them, it is a replication or an indication of what is happening in the community, what is happening even in the nation. And so prophetic is not necessarily what you do. The prophetic is a lifestyle, a life you live where everything about you becomes prophetic. So you are not prophetic only on a Sunday morning or on that occasion when you get up and they put the microphone in your hand and they say, okay, prophet, prophesy. That's not being prophetic at all. Prophetic is everything that happens to you. You know, some time ago when I recently joined this community that I'm in, it's pretty young, a young Christian coming out from a traditional Pentecostal type background. Um, I remember the senior elder and one of the leaders praying for me on a Friday night meeting. And the first thing this gentleman would say to me, he says, God is changing your view of what ministry is. And that was like an eye open, my eyes like open really wide when he said that. I said like, what does this mean? He said, you think ministry is when you go up to the front there by the podium and you, you speak and you preach and you think that's what ministry is. And to be honest with you, that was the only true indication of ministry of what I came out of. That is what everyone would hope to aspire to become. And he began to explain to me what God was saying. He said, ministry is everything you do. Ministry is when you walk down the street. Ministry is every day of your life. Ministry is what you do, how you speak. Every and then I, it began to dawn on me that I've had this thing wrong. And so it took me some years to work this in and factor this in that ministry is not just something you do. That ministry is a natural outflow of the life of Christ in you. So ministry is not something you manufacture or you make because then it becomes artificial. Then it becomes put on. But ministry is really a natural flow out of you of the Christ's life in you. And if we think about Jesus as the true example, everywhere he went, healing just flowed out of him. He never had to manufacture it. Healing, miracles, signs and wonders flowed out of him effortlessly. And here we are trying to manufacture it, working up in the spirit, sweating, pounding, stomping, shouting, doing all we can, and whilst I have no problem, the spirit appears 
in a certain place at a certain time and these things do happen and we become loud and we run around the room and stomp on some doors and walls and floors and nothing is wrong with that. But if it's put on, it's just put on. It's not getting the job done. If it's a natural outflow, then you're certain that things are going to happen. Ministry is a natural outflow of the life of Christ on the inside of us. And so we can measure ministry. We can measure the standard of ministry. How, how much of Christ is in that person, is in that gift. How much of it is actually manufactured or made up? And we think we can hide it from all the people, but people recognize John as a true prophet, didn't they? The people recognize John as a prophet sent of God. They recognize that it was the real deal. They recognize that this man, he is the real deal. There was something about it because it was just a natural outflow. He did not try to make this about himself. It was written. It was prophesied. It was said. It was talked about that John would come. Isaiah 40 verse 3. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for all God. It was written of him that he would come. True prophetic ministry points to the Christ. That's what he came to do. He came to prepare the way for the Lord. And if we are true prophetic ministry, what are we supposed to do? Well, our lives must point others to Christ. Now that there's a big one to take because a lot of a lot of preachers today, a lot of prophets today love the attention. They are attention seekers. They love to be in the limelight. They love people to call them prophet and other great names and accolades. But we should be a disappearing act where we disappear and Christ appears. And so our lives. Our goal, our ministry, our prophetic utterances must be to point others to the Christ. Because that is what John came to do. His prophetic ministry was not to bring attention to himself, but to point others to the Christ. John 129. The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. John is saying, it's not me. I am not the Messiah. John is saying, I was not that one who was prophesied to come. There is one who is coming after me. I was just sent here to tell you that he is to come and to get away for him. Look, he is the one who is coming. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I don't seek any glory of my own. I'm not here to make a name for myself. I am here to uphold his name. 
I'm here to serve his purposes in the earth. And this is why Jesus spoke so much of John, because John didn't come to seek his own. John said of himself that I must decrease, I must lessen in rank and stature. I must slowly disappear off the scene and exit the stage so that he comes on the scene and he takes over the show because it is not the John the Baptist show. It is not the Amzad Muhammad show. It is not the Mark Agbekel show. It is the Jesus the Christ show. So let him come and show what he came to show, which is the way of life, which is the way of the cross, which is the way to eternal life. Let him come, let him do what he came to do, but I will do my part, which is to prepare the way and point everyone in the direction and say, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. In John chapter 3, verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. We must reach this place where we must be willing to lower our rank, lessen our rank, or influence, to allow the Christ to be seen. And this has not really been happening we have people who have lifted up their names, lifted up their organizations, lifted up their local assemblies, lifted up everything else except the name of Jesus Christ. And we need to come back again to this place if we need to be true and authentic. True and authentic. Because the world will no longer listen because we have missed it. We have mixed it up. We have gotten mixed up. We haven't gotten it clear. And I pray that we make it clear, that we get it clear. And those who have it clear, once you begin to give a clear sounding word, people will know and people will hear. Because the people received John as a true prophet. The people received John as the true prophet. The goal of all our speaking, proclaiming, or declaring as prophets is not to increase our metron, or measure, or status, or number of likes on Facebook, or number of hits, but to point to the Christ so that his influence increases in the earth. And nothing is wrong if we publish something to Facebook or YouTube and it has a number of hits. It means that the word is getting out there. Let's hope that that is the purpose of it, that the word is getting into the hearts of people, that it is pointing them to the Christ, that they are seeing Christ more than anything else. Our whole goal as prophets and prophetic ministry, everything we speak, everything we declare, everything we say must point to Christ. We have the opposite to that, where we have people speaking and pointing to the end of the world and 
doomsday and all these things that happen. And whilst I'm not disputing that certain things must come to an end, I'm saying that the goal of true prophetic ministry is to point to Christ. If we keep pointing people to Christ, then whatever must end, must end. Now, as John the Baptist was pointing to Christ, the whole system of Jewish tradition and, and, and the uh, priests and what they were doing in the temple, that was going to end. And if you know anything about the Jews and the Jewish culture and Jewish traditions, that was their biggest thing. The temple was the closest thing to their heart, maybe even closer than Christ. Maybe that's why he had to come in this way. They were not willing to give up that temple and their traditions for anything. And John stepped out of that system because it was a failing system. And he did not declare that that system was coming to an end. He just pointed them to the Christ. As he pointed them to the Christ, those that, those that held on to Christ were able to assimilate after the fact, of course, after the fact that the temple had to come to an end because now a new order was in the earth. And so our goal is much bigger than just telling people when Jesus is coming or when the world is going to end or what signs to look for in the clouds. Our goal is to point Jesus point them to Jesus and whatever else has to end, let it end. Some things must come to an end and we must let them end gracefully. We must put some things to an end gracefully. Gracefully end it. Because Christ is always about taking it to the next level. True prophetic ministry is not afraid to lose their heads. My goodness. Mark chapter 6, verse 27. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison. Of course, we are speaking of John the Baptist. And of course, now the king has him imprisoned because of the wife that he took and now he's just trying to please his wife and his wife's daughter. And they ask for the head of John the Baptist. And now because he's given his word, he's given his oath and in front of other people, he must, he must come true with it. And so John is beheaded. And his head is brought in a charger and it was given to the damsel and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. It's very sad, a very sad way to go. But the thing is, John was not afraid to lose his head. And I don't mean that in a physical sense. I mean that when John was buried, more than likely he was laid in the tomb without the head. And that's not a complete burial. But what it does mean is that there's a resurrection to come. In Colossians 1.18, it says there, and he is the head of the body. Speaking of Jesus now, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. What I'm saying is not afraid to lose his head. 
is that Jesus is the head. What we, we must not be afraid to lose our heads. And I don't necessarily mean a beheading. What I mean is our thoughts, our way of doing things, our institutionalized thinking, our traditional mindsets, our upbringing, our culture. Don't be afraid to lose your head. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to lose your head. It's okay. Because you know why? He is the head of the body. It's okay to lose your head for his. It's okay to lose your mind to have his mind. Philippians 2.5, to have this mind as in Christ Jesus. To operate in the spirit of humility. Don't be afraid to lose your thinking. Don't be afraid to give up the way you've been doing things. Don't be afraid to let some things die. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, this is the thing about it. We have grown accustomed to what we know. You know, uh, someone told me once, he said, you know what you have, but you never know what you're going to get. You know what you have, but you never know what you're going to get. So you're holding on to what you have, but you're afraid to let it go because you're not sure of what you're going to get. Well, if I'm going to lose my mind or lose my head to have he who is the head of the body to have his mind, then I'm okay with that. As a matter of fact, I prefer that because in my mind, I might just mess things up. In my thinking, I must just get it wrong. But I know if I have his mind, he doesn't get it wrong. I know if I have his thinking, he will get it right. So it's a better trade-off. I will not be afraid to lose this mind, to have the mind of Christ. The kind of thinking that we need to take the body to maturity, to bring the church to maturity. This kind of thinking, this kind of energy, this kind of resurgence must come back to, to the body of Christ. And it must begin in some place. It must begin with the people who will say, I am not afraid to lose my way of thinking, my institutionalized thinking, because it has become so institutionalized, I can't think outside of the box. You know, if John the Baptist had remained institutionalized, he would have just gone back being a priest in the temple. And can you imagine what have happened to the ministry of John the Baptist? It would have perhaps prevented Christ from coming at that time until someone else would have been appointed in the spirit and power of Elijah. Something to think about. Isaiah 9, verse 6, talking about he is the head. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Well, another translation for that word shoulder also talks, also uses the word neck. 
what's on the neck is the head. And the government refers to the ruling capacity, the thinking capacity, the decision-making capacity, the forward-thinking mentality. All of that comes from the governance, which is in the head. Let his government rest upon your shoulders. Let's let go of institutionalized systems. And I'm not speaking specifically of the law and the politics of your country or your sphere or realm. I'm speaking specifically of your life, of who you are as a person and where you belong in your community. To have his government, his ruling, his authority, let his law come out of your mouth. Let his word proceed out of your mouth. Because out of the head is where the eyes and the mouth are. What you see, where the ears are, what you hear, and the mouth, what you speak, what you release, what you declare. Because prophetic ministry depends on what they see, what they hear, and then what they speak. So you've got to have a good head on your shoulders. Have a good head on your shoulders. You know, when I say that about people, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He thinks right. He thinks clear. Let this government be upon you, upon your shoulder. Let this government rest upon you. So that what enters the eye gate, what you see in the realm of the spirit, what enters the air gate, what you hear in the realm of the spirit, and what you speak, what you release into the realm of the spirit by your words, is divinely ordained. Let's go beyond institutionalized systems. Institutionalized systems cannot take us where we are going. Where we are going, institutionalized systems will not work. We have seen it in the past. We've seen it all in the present. And it does not do anything new. It just keeps doing the same thing over and over, churning out the same product over and over, nothing new, nothing different, and it will not change. It will not change what we're up against. The future is here. And we need to have something different to bring something different to the table. We need to see differently. We need to hear differently. And we need to speak differently. And that only comes when we lose our heads, when we give up our way of thinking to have his government on our shoulders. Luke 7, verse 19. Look at this. John is getting ready to make his exit. He realizes that he came for a purpose. And once that purpose is fulfilled, it's time to make my exit. John calling, two of, calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, say, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? 
And when the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? So John sends two of his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah? Are you the one prophesied about? Are you the one that we should look for? So when the men come to Jesus, and his response is this, in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard and how that the blind see the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. And you know with these words, when they go back to John with this, of course, Jesus is quoting out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. Jesus is quoting, and once they go back to John with this message, John knows what the prophets have said. And he knows when Jesus sends this answer, he knows he has his answer. So now John knows that he's in prison. His death could come upon him any day. And he knows he has done his job. He has served his purpose. And his life was not in vain. That he's run his course and finished his course. And now he's handed it over to the person that he came to prepare the way for. Revelation 19, verse 10. This is John, the, the apostle now. Seeing the angel who has brought him this message, he says, the angel says to him, I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, not me. He's telling him, don't worship me, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All prophecy, whether personal or corporate, must align with the testimony of Jesus Christ. All prophecy, whether personal or corporate, must testify of Jesus Christ. Whether you receive a personal prophecy or the pastor receives a prophecy or the church community receives a prophecy, it must testify of something of Christ. It's not just about who's going to get a house and who's going to get a car and who's going to get married and who's going to get a promotion on the job. And all these things are good. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it must point to Jesus. It must align with Jesus. It must testify of Jesus. It must testify of the work that Christ is doing in your life in the life of the community and in the lives of its members. And by this, by this standard, we judge all prophecy. And this is how we know if a prophecy is true and authentic, and if the person delivering the prophecy is also true and authentic. Because whatever he or she says must point to Jesus Christ in one way or the other. 
we have made this thing very personal, this thing about personal prophecy and personal words. I know a lot of people go off on different tangents with that. And sometimes it can go so far as manufacturing a word to give people. You know, you pull something out of the air at random and you give people the whole. He said, this is the word of the Lord for you. And it's not. It's just something you conjured up. As a matter of fact, that word conjure has to do with some sort of witchcraft or spell. It's something you conjured up. Don't do that. You make sure it lines up the testimony of Jesus Christ. Make sure it is testifying of Jesus in their life or something that Jesus wishes to manifest himself in some way or the other in that life or in that community or in that person or in that nation. By this, we judge all prophecy. What is our responsibility as true prophetic ministry? Now I was looking at this word responsibility. You know what God said to me? He said, responsibility is our response to his ability. What is our response to God's ability that he has given us, even if it is the prophetic ability? What is our response to the capacity God has placed within us, to the competencies he has given to us, to the giftings, to this divine enablement? What is our responsibility? What is our response to this ability? Do we hide it under a bushel? Do we use it for our own gain? Or do we respond as John the Baptist did? John the Baptist fulfilled his responsibility. Whatever God gave him, he responded out of it and did what he was called to do, which is prepare the way. And I don't think that has changed much, even in our time. I don't think that has changed much. I think it is still to point people to Jesus. What has been written about you? I do believe that it has been written about you in the heavens before you came. I do believe that your ability, your gifting, your enablement, your divine enablement was recorded somewhere in the heavens. And when you came to the earth, it is your response now. What do you respond? How do you respond to that ability on the inside of you? What was written about you? It's not about what we are doing. There are lots of people, good people, doing lots of things, good things. And nothing is wrong with that, but that's all it is. It's just good people doing good things. And we need that. But it's not just about what we are doing, but what we are becoming. What are we becoming? What are we becoming? It is not about what we are doing so much as to what we are becoming. You see, we don't become by doing. But when we become, it naturally flows out of us. So our goal is not much doing. And there's nothing wrong with doing 
by all means, if God lays upon your heart to do certain things, please, by all means, do it. Listen to the spirit of God. But there is much more to than doing. There's much more to it than doing. It is about becoming. It is about becoming what God has divinely enabled you to be in the earth. And when we become that, we cannot help but have a natural outflow. A natural flow out. You know, it's that well of living water that springs up on the inside. When that well is filled to the brim, when it has become a well, when it is a well, it just does what it's supposed to do. It gives water. It gives life. It becomes a source of life. It becomes a wellspring of life. It becomes a source of knowledge. It becomes a place where people can go and get a word from God, a word that will reveal Christ to them, not just a word that would tell them about their present status. It will point them to Christ. It will help unveil the Christ in them. It would help reveal the Christ in them. It is a word that always declares Christ. The revelation is about the revealing or the unveiling of Christ. The prophecy is about revealing or unveiling of Christ in that person or in that situation. Where is Christ in the whole situation? That's where the prophecy comes in. That's where the word comes in. What is our responsibility as true prophetic ministry? It is our response to this God-given ability. Amen. I close here. I turn over to you, Kelvin, and we can have some conversation on this. Okay. Uh, Amazad, thank you. Thank you so very much. Um, there's so much here to, to unpack. Um, I pray that we uh, all will have something that we can share that we've seen uh, inside of this presentation. It's more, it's more than a presentation though. It's, it's, um, there's so much here that I want to consider. Uh, I, I, feel like, I feel like Mary, be it done unto me according to your word. Lord, whatever you see inside of this word, um, I receive, I receive. One of the things that uh, came up to me, well, a couple of things, more than that, but a couple of things I'd like to highlight is the issue of um, being willing to lose your head. Um, I was thinking about and, and, and had a brief conversation with Mark uh, Egbeck a little earlier this evening, is the issue of why am I in this? Why am I in this? Am I in this for the benefits that Jesus has for me? Or am I in this to be at his service? Um, even if it's to my discomfort, even if it isn't to my liking. And I know we don't even like to broach these kind of things because um, we only think in terms of it going one way. But um, this today has really caused me to think about um, just, just the walk and in pleasing the Lord and what that really means and how it expresses itself uh, in, my, in my everyday life, my value system. That's where the whole point of like losing your, your head and um, the Lord had given to Brenda, uh, my wife, uh, several years ago. Uh, one time we were in a, uh, we were in a meeting and the Lord just said to her, 
get your mind out of my way. Man, I tell you, that continues to speak to me today. Get your mind out of my way. I find that continually to be prophetic for me because um, it is so easy to segue into it being about us. Um, you know, I was talking with uh, Cassidy a little bit earlier today, and we were talking about we're stewards of the mystery. We're, we're, we're stewards. We, we should steward these mysteries that, um, that have been given to us, that we're not owners of these things. So it helps to really put into perspective how I'm to carry and govern myself uh, in the earth. Uh, I was feeling a little bit uh, when uh, Mark uh, asked me to, uh, to, to present and to bring you up uh, over uh, uh, Amazon. I, I felt so good. I, I kind of felt like John a little bit, you know. Um, it, it's something to present someone who you are endeared to, who you know will bring value, who you know. And I can kind of think about John the Baptist, John the Baptizer being that way. Um, how do we prefer our brother over ourselves? How do we, how do we move out of the way? Um, one of the, another thing that occurred to me, I'm just asking questions for discussion starters, uh, trying to, uh, to really provoke our thinking. And um, um, this, this issue of uh, John moving out of the way and giving way over to Jesus, knowing his role. Oh, this is what I was gonna say. Many times people take on this idea of ministry and the book of Hebrew tells us, no man takes this honor to himself. No man takes this honor to himself. And so um, if, if I'm looking for something that I can attach my identity to, I should not seek to be a minister or someone from the fivefold because it's not to enhance my identity. It's to, it's to express a measure of Christ's gift. And um, all of these things are beautiful, beautifully explained. But there's a lot of things turning in my mind. There's a lot of things here to consider. But this was really, really strong to me about going back in and reevaluating why am I in this? I think it's good to ask ourselves, why am I in this? Am I, am I, you know, am I here to really give God pleasure or am I in this to get a payoff about maybe even what he promised me. And um, so those are just some of my initial thoughts, but if we can, uh, I, I don't know, uh, Amazad, if you'd like to speak to anything I've said or, or anything like that, but I just kind of wanted to provoke um, some of the things that I've been thinking about in this presentation and uh, get us to, to start talking and considering and looking within and asking ourselves, you know, the real questions about, about Lord, are you pleased with me? I know I've been busy. I know I've been doing a lot of things, but at the end of the day, are you pleased with my life? That's the question. Are you pleased with the expression I'm getting? I'm busy, I'm doing this, I'm doing, but are you pleased? So uh, any, anyone want to uh, comment on that or any thoughts you may have uh, regarding that? Anything you'd like to expand on? Uh, the mic is open.
Uh, yes, Calvin, very, very good observations, very good points, uh, very good starter points. Um, very strong, yes, very strong, but I do believe that we need to get this right. I do believe that we need to make some adjustments because things have been going wrong. If you really think about it, things have been going wrong for quite some time now. And I don't, I think if we don't arrest it in our own lives personally, we will be heading in the wrong direction. So let's think about this. The priesthood was coming to an end. It was going to end one way or the other. And somebody had to step out of it and be different. It, it may sound crazy. Um, it may look weird. You may look strange. You may sound strange. But I promise you this one thing. You are not the only person. There will never be only one saying it like that. There will always be a company, a group, and you will find yourself in a company and you will find uh, comfort, you will find solace, you will find some sort of gra gratification that you're not wrong, you didn't do the wrong thing, that we know this system is not working the way it was designed to work. But we know that if I decide to step out, that might sound a little queer, a little weird, a little strange, and do something different or say something different. But if you are saying something and it's familiar or similar to what I'm saying, then I have company then I know I'm not alone, then I know I'm not crazy. But yes, I just wanted to add that. Beautiful, yes, absolutely. We, we do have to stop the hemorrhaging. Um, I was um, going to go, and Unika, I see your hand. Uh, we're gonna bring you up uh, uh, right after this point here. Uh, thank you. Um, I was, I was I, Brendan and I lived on a golf course uh, in, uh, in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, and um, the leader of our community, um, actually the first time I ever went out there on the golf course is when he took me and he said, Kelvin, if you're going to golf, the first thing I would suggest is that you get a coach so that you won't develop wrong habits. And, and I, I found that so iconic all the way through because we have gotten here because we have not had, we have not been taught either by the Holy Spirit or by the proper leadership or however, um, and we develop wrong habits. Now we have to come to a place where we are undoing these things that we've grown bad habits in. And sometimes it's very difficult. Unika, uh, welcome. Uh, your comments, please. Thank you. Hi guys, it's just Robert here. Hey Bert, um, hey Bert. Welcome. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? <laughs> uh, Mr. Mohammed, thank you for triggering some thoughts, you know, and um, what was striking or what stood out to me was the issue of John the Baptist's head, the head not being on the body. In And looking at our current context, exchanging my head, my own intellect, uh, my own design, my own philosophy for his preferred head <laughs> as he is the head of the body. What would the body look like if we were to exchange headship, let's, let's use that expression, in view and with preference for his head or his headship? I think that is a significant issue. And as it relates to the prophetic uh, that becomes more significant 
um, we would have seen, of course, as you indicated, how we use, you know, um, the gifting or the office as it were for personal gain, ambition, recognition to maybe uh, push our own uh, portfolio, etc. But what would it be like from a, the prophetic standpoint that we exchange deliberately, willfully our head and allow his head, of course, he's head of his body to function upon us and with us, amongst us. I think that would be an, an absolute powerful dynamic that would be able to correct these um, inaccuracies, which we would have seen expressing itself so blatant in the body of Christ. And if you want to even use the word um, perverting, as it were, the, um, the, the gift and grace. Just wanted to throw that out. Very strong points uh, there, Bert. Very, very strong points uh, regarding uh, the absence of the head from the body and the great exchange of uh, the mind of Christ for ours. Um, this is, I, I really believe that God is putting us in a direction and pointing to something very, very valuable here um, that I really believe will not just stop at information, but will, will segue itself into transformation. Very, very powerful points. Great points. Anyone else like to speak to what Bert just mentioned or raised? Yes, I, I'm kind of glad that um, that point was brought up again. And that tells me that there's some deep inner ringing on the inside, um, Shabbat. It tells me that you have a real heart for true prophetic ministry. It tells me that your heart has been searching and that you yourself has been seeing, you yourself, you have been seeing things and not pleased. And sometimes you're afraid to speak, but sometimes what it requires you to do, my brother, is just to speak. And you don't speak from a standpoint of condemnation. You don't speak from a standpoint of, well, I know better than you. You speak from a standpoint, like John would say, look, I'm pointing you to the Christ. Our whole goal of this thing is to point people to Christ. I don't think that has changed. I don't think that has changed one bit. While it's all well and fine to give people these nice, fancy words, it must ultimately be a testimony of Christ or what Christ is doing in that person or in that community or in that environment. And so, my brother, I bless you. I thank God for you. I thank God that you are a seer of things in the realm of the spirit and you hear things in the realm of the spirit but the time has come for you to open your mouth and begin to declare things in the realm of the spirit and sometimes i'm going to say this to you you need to speak the change you want to see and as you begin to speak the change your words go into the realm of the spirit and begin to unravel some things and it will begin to cause people to see things differently It'll begin to cause people to see the true head because they have held on to false heads, which would be like the head of organizations or the head of networks or head of things that are not the true head. And so, my brother, I encourage you that as far as you see and as far as you hear, also declare through your mouth. Speak the change you want to see. Man, 
Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, Kevin. Yes, yes, Mark. Yes. Um, this is wonderful. There, there are so many things in what Amazad has shared that um, I've just been sitting here pondering over. And um, the first thing um, about this whole issue of Christ, the um, revelation of Christ. Um, John mentioned that behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But there is this thing about John that um, the Bible says, and let me, let me read that from Luke, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, uh, the verses 29 and 30. It says, all the people, all the people, even the tax collectors, when they had heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they have been baptized by John. Because they have been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. It's interesting that the character, the fiber, the very core of ministry, the expression of ministry, whether mentioned or not mentioned, should always leave people at Christ, at that junction, that is Christ, at that finality, that is Christ. So that the quality of impact after administration lies in several nuances that would have taken place in the life and the hearts of people who are receiving this ministry. When even Christ has not been Mentioned because you can smell him, you can perceive him, you can discern him, you can you can know he is there. He can be visible. He can be uh, almost hidden and buried out of sight, but their hearts can locate him. And that is something personally over the years, I I, I desired and I try to cultivate that, regardless of whatever I teach, there should be that true tangible smell of Christ in it. I am amazed when I read the scripture, it says all those that attend John's baptism had that witness, had the spirit of truth in their heart. When they heard Jesus Christ, they just went, boom, we found him. We just located him. We are just at the right spot. And that is a thing. I mean, when we talk about authenticity, that thing ought to retain into our world. There's another thing that Amazon you, you touch on, and I just wrote it here, very simple. And but then I I want to say it. It's very simple, but it's going to provoke um, somebody's mind. The statement was like God provides for His servants, His prophets. I love that statement. I love it because it leaves us at the place of a persuasive walk with God. 
that we can be confident, have our faith, our anchor established and holding fast in the storm because God will show up for his servant. That statement is so, so powerful. Then um, I have a couple more, but let me touch on this one I've done. The principle of honor. There's a principle of honor Jesus Christ demonstrated. Very often people will arrive in a city. We could all be, we could all be uh, corporates. People will arrive in a city, will arrive in a jurisdiction, and they will declare themselves to be the man of God, the woman of God for the hour. I have been called. I am the one going to bring the redemption for this whole city. Two, we put, we put ourselves out there as the only, only, only solution, as the only revolving point for the purpose of God in, in the city, by which we, we disregard all others who have been in the city, have been in the environment, have been pushing. John had been there long before Jesus Christ um, um, arrived in that ministry space. Jesus was in the backside somewhere doing his own thing until his season had arrived. They were about six months apart by, by birth and all of that. But the one who was in the limelight, in the days when John was, was, was on top, there were other schools of thought they were the Pharisees, they were the Sadducees, they were, I call them sad to see, and Pharisee, far to see, they can't see far, something like that. And, and all of these people, all these sets had their own school of thought, that persuasive group, they had, they had disciples, John had disciples. But the composure of, of, first of all, John, I want to talk about the principle of honor, but first of all, John, that even when you read the book of John, the Bible says that the next day, John, on seeing Jesus, said, behold, the Lamb of God, and two, two of his disciples turned and followed after him and went with Jesus and lived right where he lived. I mean, who want to do that? By, by having built a ministry, raise it up, and then the, the, the new shaker is around, and suddenly every attention, effort. in fact, your, even your ministry gives validation to that. Who wants to do that? That is something about the John dimension, the John spirit that truly expresses the Christ dimension that ought to be carried. But Jesus's principle of honor, let me just read a piece. Let me just read something, something I have here from, there's something I, I wrote one time I was traveling and at the airport, I think there was a delay for two hours and I just got inspired to write this peace um, from, from movement to monument, why moves of God, divine initiatives field. And one of the principles that I discovered standing at the airport and I wrote is this issue of lack of honor. And I call it starting off on the wrong, on the wrong grounds. If we wrongly point to previous movement as the old order in quotes, and declare ourselves to be the new order. We have almost certainly disqualified ourselves from being a part of the new order. It is those who have, sorry, it is those with 
um, it is those who view previous movement with the honor they deserve, immersing themselves in that baptism of John, those who attended the baptism of John, it is those who immerse themselves in that, that, that uh, message, that teaching, who will be qualified to receive the next level of authority. For any movement to abide long on earth, it must honor its spiritual fathers and mothers, in quote, again. So the, this is something I saw of Jesus Christ. Even when he arrived up he knew who he, or he knew exactly who he is and what he is here to do. He had all kinds of things together because he was rightly positioned in a certain way. But when he came on the scene, so who did he pull in to see? You think that guy is some small boy, that little, some little reed standing in, 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 uh, in the city or somewhere? Guy carries gravitas. That guy carries weight. He really, really, really gave honor to John. And when John would have asked, check on him, who really he is, he gave him just the signs of the Messiah. So these are some thoughts that um, I, I glean from, from this. God provides for his servant. And I'm excited that God is going to provide for you, for all of us on this call, because we stand in that place. God bless you. Thank you. Wow, thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. Um, hmm. There's a lot here for us to consider. Somebody want to speak to, yes, uh, Bert. See your hand up, Bert. Go ahead. The mic is yours, Bert. Sharbert. Yes. Oh, <laughs> unique. Uh, hello there, okay. <laughs> yeah, good night. Uh, Mark, you, you shook a lot of things in me. I, I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> um, there's something that, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to speak to something that Mark said about um, that issue of honor. <clears throat> um, personally, my heart, my heart always kind of, uh, or my mind, you know, in my mind, I have, I have a kind of voice. I, 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 today I gave it a name, <laughs> a critical voice, miscritical. Um, sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's too much. But in this case, <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about uh, how, Exactly what Mark was saying uh, while he speak, how we actually, while, when we discredit those who have gone before us, it's not just only discrediting them, but it's really just discrediting God and dishonoring what he himself has instigated. And, and that way of thinking, right, uh, requires us to look at how, let's look at how God instigated the whole creation. He has always been him. He is the source of all life. He's a source of creation. And it was his plan, right? When things go wrong, his decision to 
bring things back to order. And I have one thing I have strongly in my heart. I believe strongly in God's providence and his ability to get things done. And not just with the good things, but he is, has the super ability to use what is broken and make and birth something that fulfills his purpose. And it's very extraordinary. If I, Today I was talking with my husband, just looking at when he said, let there be light. It was not just about creating day. day the day was created on the third day, but that light, it was his ability that he gave to creation to inhabit to to be able to breathe forth his life so that, that's one thing i wanted to share another thing um yeah so yeah to my point uh, just to finish the point so when we despite how now i believe god moves in in phases and he, he always moves up it is from glory to glory, and he makes a sovereign decision to choose whomever he wants for his purposes. And I believe strongly that the sight that he has given to those who've been before us, he has given sight that it has been useful and has moved his purpose forward. And for us, I think it's honorable for us to say to, the, to those, I am not worthy to take to even lose the, your sandal on your feet. Can you imagine that Jesus said that? Because in the Hebrew culture, it was a disgrace for a Jew to actually remove sandals from the feet. That was the, the lowest position given to a, a serf and a slave. And Jesus was actually humbling himself till the ground for John because he recognized that God had put him there to do that very thing. Um, and, we, and, and we have a responsibility. If we are to be moving in the prophetic, in the prophetic spirit of Christ, that this is a principal attitude that is necessary in order to see previous movements in the correct light. A second, a second thing that was standing out to me, um, Amazad, and I thank you so much, um, Amazad, yes, for your presentation. And um, one thing uh, to speak on that issue of hat, um, I was thinking about, uh, let me say it like this. I believe strongly that when God speaks, he reveals or shows things. He does it with a certain assumption from, in his heart. <laughs> he has a certain assumption uh, concerning our understanding. And I'm going to give this example. Elisha, the day that Elijah was going to be taken up and, and, and carried by in the ch uh, chariot of fire, there were many prophets. And I think two times or three times they said to Eli Elijah, don't you know that your, your, your master will be taken from you today. And Elijah, uh, Elijah was pertinent, persuasive, but I'm, I'm not talking only about the persuasion, the reason behind his persuasion. It was not just because of that moment where he would get that double anointing. His persuasion was 
he understood something about the heart of God. While the other prophets saw the information as just intelligence, Elisha saw it. No, this means there is a requirement for someone else to step up to the place and to take this mantle, to take this purpose, this mission, continue with and run with this mission. And that is what, what Elisha did. The one of the thing, and, and that is what it means to also, for me, if I listen to you, that confirms in my heart what it means about having Christ as head. Understanding the, is what you were saying about knowing his mind. When God is so, showing certain things, deep things, or they seem so bad, he's actually inviting us to partner with him, to reason with him, and to, to, to actually bring in his mind sometimes and this is something i learned not so long ago about how it is so important i'm sorry i've been talking too long but how it is so important to 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 know the character of god when we are prophesying when he shows us deep and dark things that we know it is an opportunity to bring that christ christness in it i'll, I'll stop at that for now thank you Very good streams of inner transaction, uh, Unica. Very, very um, insightful. And yeah, it it stirred you. So much is stirring up. It's almost like I have a process personally. I have a process that I'm going through over here. But I listen to Mark. I, I, I a log is on the fire. I listen to Unica. A log is on the fire. You know, just more and more is being added on to it. But this is really, really, really good. And I I know that God is is putting his finger on something, identifying something uh, with us. I thought it very interesting that the uh, when Jesus was asking about the baptism, that as uh, the, the Pharisees were answering, it was, uh, they were, they didn't want to answer because they would feel trapped by Jesus because there was no excuse for them not to believe. But it said that they feared the people. I thought that was very interesting. They feared the people, but they were more, they didn't care to be trapped by Jesus because there was no reason not to believe what he was saying. I thought that that dichotomy was very, very interesting to see that how they feared the people. So this, this leadership, uh, as far as they saw it, had a lot to do with uh, uh, fearing the people and pleasing the people and those kind of things, which is another subject. But yeah, uh, I really think that there's a light being shown um, in these conversations, we're getting the mind of Christ and we're hearing the mind of Christ through each one. And I just really believe that we should take these things back, uh, listen to this over again, take these things back, lay them before the Lord. Um, how do we reappropriate them? You know, what are you saying to us again? I really believe that there's what I call this third ear. You know, there's what God speaks to the presenter. And then there is the third ear what God says to me about what the presenter presented that he wants to be fashioned for my life. So I always have to keep that third ear open where we can hear what uh, God is saying to us through these words and how we are to fashion and to apply them to our lives. So thank you, Nika. Thank you. Anyone else? 
Uh, yes, Calvin, if I may say something, I'm listening to my sister, Unika, there, and uh, hear such a passion in her heart, in her voice, in her spirit, such a passion for people, such a passion for the body of Christ. I even sense like there's some sort of a pastoral grace upon her, a passion that will shepherd people and safeguard people. And even her heart, the point that she brought up is such a, such a true, true point we have had moves of God where every new move decided that they were it and declared the old um, outdated. And, and, you know, that's breaking the chain. That's breaking the links in the chain. And there's no glory if a small group of four make it through the door. You know, there's no glory in that. What God's, God receives glory when all of us make it up to the front, when all of us get through the door, not just four. So we must not be four going through the door. We must get everybody in. So what we do, Unika, we grab a hold of the person next to us. And that person grabs a hold of one who's gone before and grabs a hold of the one who's gone before. And so we pull everybody through the door and everybody gets there. And so God gets glory when we all get there. And so I thank God for you, Unika. You raised the same point as Shabbat about headship. And I believe God is speaking to you and Shabbat about headship that he himself wants to give you his head his mind his thinking his thought his way of doing things his way of seeing things his way of looking at things he's, he's changing the angles you know it's like sometimes you look at these pictures on your phone and it gives you the option to turn the angle this way or that way it's as if god is giving you uh, a, a new insight, a new technology, so to speak, so you can see differently, to see it differently. is like seeing it from God's perspective, seeing it. We've been seeing it from man's perspective, man's views, man's ways, man's thoughts. Now God is coming into the situation where he's saying, have my mind in the matter. See it how I see it. And so the solutions will come. And so the answers will come. And so words will come. And so direction will come. And all that other thing just come and fit into place. And Jesus, I bless you. I bless the Lord for you. I thank God for you and Shabbat. The Lord richly bless you. I'm just uh, sitting over here with Brendan. We just we're just smiling because uh, Amazon, you you're speaking to this couple uh, through the lens of the Spirit, man. It's just a beautiful thing. Just a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Thank you. Well, um, this has really really been good. I. I don't know. I mean, this has really, really been good. I want to ponder. I want to think. I want to muse on these things. I want to meditate on them. Uh, and not just from an informational standpoint. We are the most informed people on the planet. You know, we, we, we have so much information, so much information. But I tell you, I want it to be activated into action. That's my, my heart's desire. You know, so this has been very, very good. I thank you for sharing these things with us that the Lord has put on your heart regarding John, um, the principles that, that you set forth, the questions uh, that we will continue to ask ourselves as we listen and muse again. So thank you for the time to prepare these things uh, to share with us today. Mark, uh, any uh, final thoughts, any uh, directions you have for us now? Oh, so the normal thing, we, we will post this uh, recording as soon as possible and um, just follow the, uh, uh, the pages. 
if you are doing podcasts or Spotify, any of those, just follow. And once we post this, you'll get an alert to be, um, so that you can, you can revisit the recording. Um, there, there's so much that is buried in this conversation that ought to flip off into different layers and action. Um, is one thing, you know, uh, there's something unique said, which let me just touch on that. Assuming you're ministering to somebody and um, there is no spirit of Christ in you, but if I say there's no spirit of Christ in you, what I mean is you, you, you do not have that foundational character of Christ involved in your ministry. So what happens is that you would pick stuff about the person and because you, are, you, you, are, you may be vindictive about something, you would use that as a yastic to judge the person while you minister to the person. But when Christ is in you, you could be rebuking a person and I've witnessed several, you could be rebuking a person, but the, the, the feeling of love is there. The person feel love, the person feel appreciated, the person does not feel threatened to run away, but to draw near to Christ. The foundation of ministry the giving of ministry is Christ and all is done to represent him. And that is just a basic thing I'll say. So God bless you, Amazad. It's been wonderful having you. And we look forward to more, 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 more of just this. God bless you. God bless you. So we can call it a good evening. And uh, we can say a prayer before we leave. Amazad, you the anointing is on you. So go ahead and pray and prophesy. I want to thank you, Mark. I want to thank you, Kelvin, everybody who's been on this call. I thank God for you. And I pray that through these conversations, we would grow. We, and I say we, we all, we all would grow. We all would grow up into the head who is Christ Jesus. We all would change the way we do things. We all would change the way we say things. We all would change the way we look at each other where we talk about each other. When I talk about my brother Calvin, I will speak very highly of him. I always do. When I talk about my brother Mark, I'll always speak very highly of him. I regard him in the highest esteem, Mark. In the highest esteem, I regard you, brother. I regard you all in the highest esteem. I thank God for you. Father, we thank you for such a wonderful time of conversation. And we know that you were in the conversation, Lord. We know that you spoke. We know that you spoke, even though we use the words that you have given us, you spoke in your own way. You spoke in your own words. And so you have moved upon hearts today. You have moved upon lives today. You have moved upon ministries today. And from today, we will never be the same. And we say, oh God, that you will cause an unveiling of the Christ to continually happen, to continually occur, a continual unveiling revealing of the Christ in us in an even greater manifestation. We declare, oh God, we are blessed. We are blessed for being in your presence. We are blessed by being in the presence of each other, where we glean off each other these graces, oh God. We thank you, Father. We bless you for everyone on the call. We declare, oh God, your blessing and your favor upon them. And I sense, oh God, for hearts that are in need, oh God, that you will provide for that need. We have already said and we have already seen from your word that you have provided out of the air. Birds came and brought this and brought that to your servants, the prophet. Out of the air they came. And I say out of the air, it will come. It will come. It will come. In Jesus' name, I declare it. Amen.